for Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. We're coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee, and that's here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're going to a game this weekend, and there are many, Friday night, the hockey and football, the soccer tonight, let's make a staycation out of it. Don't drive. Come no. on down, stay at the Wall Center. No. Call them, 331-1000. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price. Grace Ass Hidden Switches conducting things in the producer's booth. And this show, presentation of Applewood Auto Group, where they are celebrating 25 years. And at Applewood Nissan Richmond, Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Surrey. Try the new Nissan Leafs and Rogues. Great deals there. Plus the QX50 and QX60 from Infinity, leasing from 3.99%. No charge maintenance packages this month with purchase, plus a chance to win $25,000. See dealer for details. Because Blake Price. It's all good. At Applewood. Bulldog poll question today. Our inspiration was Frank Saravelli yesterday telling us he thought after speaking of the Canucks brass here last weekend, Thatcher Demko himself, 55 starts, which is roughly two-thirds in an 82-game season. Yep. So we're setting the over-under at 55.5. How many starts for Thatcher Demko this season? Over 55.5, under 55.5. Vote at Sakerson Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. BC Lions are one one and a half point favorites Friday in their first place showdown with Winnipeg. I'm taking the home team to roar here on your Bodog line of the day. What do you think on Demko? Um, I'm going to go under uh, for really, Dur- yeah, not because of their want. I'm sure their want is over, mm-hmm. but I think well, I think their want is right there. I think there's going to be enough uh, Knicks and concerns of Knicks and concerns of fatigues, etc. Well, he told Frankie nearly needed surgery like tore the groin yeah so do you want to lean on that guy for 80 percent of the starts before christmas i understand come stretch run the canucks are still in it dare to dream folks um you're gonna want a lot of demco but i think they're gonna have to be strategic so i think i don't think it's by much i would i'm gonna go like 52 53 but that's what betting's about and i'm gonna say under i thought it was because he may have tons of confidence in casey DeSmith and or archer's shelofs um i have um uh, an average amount of confidence mm-hmm. in them, but uh, that's you know that's not my motivation. I think it's more just protectant and bubble wrap around Demko and mm-hmm. and perhaps a again a a, a week long injury or something like that, that that slows it down. Scale of one to ten, what chance do you give Shiloff's being just so good that he takes over the backup job? I think six out of ten. Like yeah? it's, it's okay. on the menu. Yeah, it's on the menu. Yeah, and for those going to the uh, preseason game in Abbotsford tonight, the uh, I almost feel like we need, though. You look at yesterday's roster and you go, well, look, outside of Patterson. This is the sick. team. Yeah, yeah this you're going to see effectively the Vancouver Canucks. No. You'll see effectively Shilos, the Abbotsford Canucks. <laughs> so they called up six players, Shilos Johansson, Linus Carlson, Archie Baines, Atu Ratu, and Max Sasson. Yeah. 
And then they said their non-playing group would practice at UBC today. And that group consists of Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes, J.T. Miller, Thatcher Demko, Ian Cole, Noah Juleson, Teddy Bluger, Phil DiGiuseppe, Connor Garland, and of course, Ilya Mikheyev, who is a question mark for the season opener a week from today, Blake Price. Yes. At Rogers Arena against the Edmonton Oilers. So just to spitball then, who will be playing Besser, Beauvillier, mm-hmm. um, gosh, Sanders? Suter, Amon, um, mm-hmm. Joshua. Yeah, not, not, yeah. Susie, Susie's going to play. Ronick's going to play. Mm-hmm. So there's some, there's, so it's, yeah, it, it's, you got some Vancouver Canucks. There's some up the lineup Vancouver yeah, Canucks. Yeah, it's not game one versus Calgary. But I mean, yesterday I was thinking, boy, is this going to be a hot ticket? Yeah. To see all these guys play in Abbotsford. Alas, not, uh, not to be. Nils Hoaglander's going to play there. Yeah. Of course, Nils Hoaglander played a lot there last year, more than he would have liked. And there's a story in the province today from Ben Kuzma about Hoaglander and his step-back season last year. He said, it helped to play a lot down there. I want to play in the NHL, but sometimes it's good to go down and learn and get more confidence, and it looks good now because I feel a lot better. I felt I had the puck a lot more, and when I do, I learn the game more. I played more minutes, so it means everything. He's saying all the right things. Good on him. And head coach Rick Tockett also impressed, talking about how he's checking boxes. Let's hear from the head coach on the uh, Swedish winger who's had a bit of a crossroads here. He's got to have a big year. Got to be an NHL player because he requires waivers to go down. I liked his game better than last game. I thought he kept some plays alive. That's what he's good at, the forecheck. And I, I, that's something, you know, we need that here. And I think he has to play. Now it's the next level, you know, making a play, extending the play. You know, can he get open, you know, score? You know, can he extend the play? You know, he has it. You know, can he keep his feet moving, make the play? That's really the next level for him. But when it comes to forechecking, being feisty, he checks the box for that. And I agree with uh, I. Agree with the coach. I, I liked his game better. Which one did he play? I believe it was the Edmonton two-one loss. I liked him better in that one than in the most recent preseason game. And as we've talked about, if if Pius Suter and Connor Garland are going to form two thirds of the third line, it does look like the coaching staff is a little bit hesitant to put Hoaglander on that line, given that he's another small body. So he may have to play on the fourth line, or at least start on the fourth line. More on this later in the show with Chris Faber. But I like his upward mobility, and there are certain things about playing that fourth line that could also be good for him. I don't think this is one of those scenarios, Blake, where it's like, ah, young player has to play, can't saddle him on the fourth line and forget about him playing 10 to 12 minutes a night. No, I I think Nils Hoaglander can get something out of 10 to 12 minutes on the fourth line if that's what it turns out to be. Now, if it's seven or eight minutes... Then you have a bit of a decision there. Then you've got a bit of a, a quandary there. Even then, he's getting to the age, Matt, where you, you know, are you still developing per se, or are you getting NHL experience this year? Yeah. You know, I, okay. hard to know. Um, he's right on that borderline. Um, you you wonder if the pandemic season, he just played like he didn't know any better, and that, and that served him well. And I think offensively, that still might serve him well to some degree, but defensively, he has to listen to what the coach says and yeah. abide. Yeah, I, I mean, the Boudreaux uh, analysis on him still still stands uh, until he proves otherwise on the defensive mm-hmm. detail 
side of things. Okay, lots of talk about defense by committee. And we put that to our guest today, Frank Corrado, who knows a thing or two about playing defense in the NHL and also about having to play with different partners, given the way his career went with three different organizations and being a healthy scratch and getting tossed in there at different times because of injury or coaching decisions uh, and with Faber. But Ian Cole, he has been around the National Hockey League some and as you may have heard when in our interview with Frank Saravelli yesterday, you know, he, he specifically chose the Vancouver Canucks because he liked the direction and the communication from Rutherford and Alvin. Let's hear from Ian Cole here on defense by committee. Uh, you know, I've done that before where, you know, uh, you know, say for instance last year, you know, I played with Chernak a lot as like a shutdown guy, you know, at the end of the game, then I'd go on the right side with Victor Hedman to finish the game if we were winning. So, um, you know, it's 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 no problem with me, right? It's wherever I'm needed, wherever we go, it's uh, it's I try to play the same way. And as I mentioned to you here in the last couple of days, this this is a little bit of a page out of the Tampa Bay playbook. And look, if you're going to mimic a franchise around the NHL these days, let it be the Lightning. Gosh, been the class of the league for the last ten years. Now, oftentimes Tampa has done it with seven defensemen, but as you heard there from Cole, right. Some nights it's going to be Chernak and let's shut him down. Some nights it's going to be Hedman. I, I think you're going to see a little bit of this with Quinn Hughes and different partners, if not more of them. And he doesn't seem daunted by it. And he was also asked about playing the right side. So let's hear from Ian Cole on that as well. I've spent probably, probably half my career on the right side. So uh, I'm very comfortable over there. Uh, I feel very good about it. Um, it's there's There's some... Some drawbacks to being over there. There's some positives too, right? You come across the offensive blue line, seeing the whole zone. So uh, there's some positives, there's some negatives, but I feel comfortable. And if that's whether it's with Quinn, whether it's with Seuss, whether it's with whomever, uh, whatever situation, you know, we'll uh, we'll grind through it. We'll make it work. Yeah, it opens up a whole new uh, option if you do that. Of course, it's a, I think it's a break glass in case of emergency situation but mm, you, I, I think it's more i think it'll be more pronounced than that well I mean, I mean early on i don't mean like in january i mean if they really just can't find a fit with with quinn hughes early i think you, you go to this but the question is do you form a, a legitimate top pair of ronick and and hughes at that point and then just have a stopper pair of susie and cole or do you try to and go for just balance? lean on two pairs and lean on two yeah. pairs. I mean, I, I'm. I mean, there, there's some that yeah. may get you ahead in the regular season. I'm not sure that's no. You could make a change, but, but all you're looking to do is get to the playoffs, yeah. right? Like, I mean, I I wouldn't be against it. I think you could try it both ways. You could try to to spread the wealth and and go Cole and and yeah. and Hughes. But I know J Pat's talked a lot about Cole and Hughes. I wonder if we'll see that in the final preseason game here Friday at Rogers Arena against the Calgary Flames. And let's hear from young Cole McWard, who continues to be here and will play tonight in Abbotsford. Uh, you know, just being around this level and, and getting to play at this level, I feel like I'm making big strides in my game. 
um, learning new details and you know talking to the coaches and talking to Quinn about everything is it's helping me out a ton and I can't be more grateful for it uh, it's just little things like body position um, small details around the ice just how to play defense against you know obviously some of the best players in the world so just trying to uh, uh, dial it in on that stuff and and uh, you know learn those little details and those things that'll help me in a big way good answer yeah and I hope all of it is is true because this has been a hell of an opportunity for him and there are things that you can learn by being around this group just from osmosis and let's face it this is a guy who's not too far removed from being a college hockey player at Ohio State so there's quite a steep learning curve I I still have uh I still am skeptical about whether or not he's going to be able to hold up as an NHL defenseman this early, particularly if he has to play minutes and minutes beside Quinn Hughes. But we'll see what he does here in the next couple of games. I would have to think that these next two preseason games are bigger for Cole McWard than they are for anybody who the Canucks currently have in camp. They Is there are. anybody with as much at stake as Cole McWhort here? Well, Hoaglander, I guess, potentially. but but I don't think they're sending him down, though, Blick. I just don't think they're risking losing I him mean, on waivers. If he shot the bed over two games, I think there would be that risk, potentially. But I think he's the 13th forward if he shits the bed for... Yeah. Maybe just to kick. Yeah, it, you know, yeah. that's the next step. But I, I'm, you know, I don't want. I actually don't want them to play Hughes in both of these games. To, to well, they're not know. playing them tonight. No, I know. I'm saying, but at the same time, I, I would have liked to have seen Hughes and McGuire play together tonight. Well, I, you wonder whether that's the design on Friday, whether you have to try Cole there, and if it's not Cole, whether or not it's one more run for McWard. But that's the thing. I would have loved to have seen one more run with McWard and then go. Cole and Hughes on the final one, right? right. But, of, of course, don't want Hughes to play both, and he's not playing both. Mm-hmm. AHL training camp opens today in Chilliwack for the Abbotsford Canucks. Now, you look up and down the roster that they put out, and it's pretty darn good. A reminder, six guys have been recalled today to play this Abbotsford game. So for the moment, and it will just be the moment, Shilofs, Johansson, Carlson, Baines, Ratu, and Sasson are all going to be with the big club. But eventually they're going to get down to Abbotsford in training camp. And Blake, we were doing the math, and like it's conceivable, and maybe you don't want this because it might speak to lack of production, lack of performance for a number of bottom-end Vancouver Canucks roster players, but... Like, I can get up to almost 14 guys who I think could get an NHL look this year. Yeah. Some guys who I'm, you know, who I think absolutely will see the NHL this year in some capacity. And other guys who I think, um, you know, have a snowball's chance, kind of like Danilo Klimovich, R.C. Baines. I think there's a snowball's chance for the two of them. This is what happens when you have. Um a mediocre team, A, that has some bubble guys at the bottom of the lineup, but you also don't have guys on the fourth line that are blocking it, a la Jay Beagles, and the, et cetera, that are $3 million players that, of course, you're not going to filter in an AHL player ahead of ahead of that. So you've you've got some spots that are up for grabs now, and they're going to be up for grabs all season long, I think. But, like, Jay, you protected those kids. He won face-offs. He penalty. Leadership. Killed. Yeah. Stanley Good in the room. 
And uh, one more note here about Canucks, and if we're talking Canucks prospects, and we will on Wednesdays with Chris Faber, uh, Elias Pettersson, EPD, or DPD, mm-hmm. he has been loaned to a, an Elsvenskan club, Vastras, mm. where Faber says he is going to get more ice time more in ice the time. second division, which is probably good. Yeah, it's fine. It's a good league. Elsvenskan is a good league. It's hey, it developed Elias Pettersson. It can develop Elias well, Pettersson. Well, it, it not <laughs> 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 God, you're funny. a little too hard at your own joke there, Price. I, you know, you know why? But it was pretty good because I didn't know. Him. I didn't know that I was saying what I was saying until right, I was until saying it. Yeah, I was like, wait, we're talking about Elias Pettersson. Yeah, so that was, it, that was natural. Well, and of course, um, Lakaramaki was down there too last year, right? So we have long history with the Elsvenskin. And Vancouver Canucks players. If you don't know EPD, DPD, the 80th overall pick in the 2022 draft, he uh, he did play. Um, he he was more a uh, pro player than he was a, a a junior player last year in Sweden. So this is a a second straight year where he will be mostly a pro player and not a junior level player in Sweden. Decent size there too. Yep, six two one ninety five. Yeah, so we'll intriguing. see. Uh, We'll see if he can, if he can um, develop, and not only that, he is still age eligible to play on Sweden's World Junior Team as a nineteen-year-old. Wow, be 20 really? And, I didn't know. Yeah, that. it won't be twenty until February, Blake. So he could be so a long as for the them. Day, so long as the cutoff date is still January first. Is it still January first for that tournament? Yeah, always yep, was when yep, I was covering. Yep, yeah, okay, is, yeah, yeah. all right. Lakaramaki is still nineteen. That's until right. July. That's right. So you could see a couple of members of the Vancouver Canucks on Sweden's World Junior Team. He's got an early case for the Cy Young so far with four goals, zero assists in six games. Mm, that's right. No, I, I'm putting that on E's and O's. Why is that? Well, how many Cy Young winners win only four games? Great. I said he's on pace, 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 Matthew. Try listening first. Wow. Spicy. Is somebody a cranky pants because we stayed up too late for the Morgan Wallen concert? Did we not get our, our beauty sleep? Yeah. I should have just came to the couch here last night in the studio. T Mart has done it before. Yeah. Yeah. Off the line's charter, 3 a.m. Why bother drive back to Maple Ridge? You just crashed on the couch here. Yeah. The Andy couch. Grab a yellow dog beer, you'll be out real quick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> BC Lines. Moving have, right along. Have opened the upper deck. For this week's game. How about them apples? Somebody asked me Friday, uh, what would it take to open the upper deck here? And I said, well, selling out or getting close to selling out the lower deck. A thousand seats left in the lower bowl as we speak. They sold 2K yesterday. Fantastic. Big game. I mean, this is the biggest regular season game in years for the BC Lions. Mm -hmm. Let's face it, they haven't been Canucks bad over the last decade, but... They've had some thin years and years that we haven't become accustomed to, right? Because they were in the playoffs for 20 straight seasons and then backslid there. And a league where turnover should help you get better quicker, it's been hard for them to get really good. But they're hosting a postseason game for the second consecutive year. Haven't done that in 11 years. Vernon Adams at the top of the CFL honor roll for the month of September. Mm -hmm. Highest graded CFL quarterback, according to Pro Football Focus. Back Keon Hatcher in the offensive line made the weekly honor roll as well in the CFL. See J.C. Abbott of Three Down Nation is penned a piece on why Vernon Adams should be the league MOP. Yeah, we got a CFL MOP argument in our mentions right now because they do. tag us in their uh, articles. Well, uh, and 
Farhan's Farhan was in. talking about it too, coming off the 400 yard game against Saskatchewan. Seems very wide open this year. Would you have Caleros right well, now, man? Caleros is there. Kelly is there because of the Argos' terrific record. Frankly, I think Oliveira still belongs. I mean, he's he's 300 yards better than any other running back in the league, and that'll be a huge task for the Lions on Friday is to keep him at bay. So, yeah, I, I think you got the running back, and I think you have a trio of quarterbacks here, and we'll see who closes strong down the stretch. But I think Adams is right there. And certainly if they win Friday, and if he looks good, that's quite a showcase stage. What is going on in the CFL where the receiving touchdown leader is at 10 Yeah, at this point in the season? And what is going Alexander on? Alexander Hollins, who we have on the show today, is second at eight. Do you, I, do you I think remember the ball's the, just being spread out a lot. Do you remember like when the, when the, uh, the uh, then Eskies had, had a uh, crazy receiving core? Who did they have? And they had like guys, in, two guys in the 20s. Like, yeah. Are we talking the way back Eskies or are we talking sort of like way back. the turn of the century Eskies? Oh, no. We just turn of the century Eskies. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like Jason Mazar. Jason, Jason Tucker was there. Jason, he's coach, yeah. yeah. So, no, they had a great group. But Williams, isn't there? Wasn't there a Williams? Um, and not okay. uh, not uh, Gizmo. No. They, they had a really good receiving core um, in Edmonton in the early part of the century. You're right. To the point where... A young off the bench, you know, raw rookie Rick, Rick uh, Ricky Ray, yeah. stepped in at quarterback, and all of a sudden it was like, whoa, you know, boy, does this guy look great? And part of the reason was because he had a terrific crew of of receivers. Of course, the Lions had that incredible crew of receivers with G. Roy and the Canadian guys, Paris Jackson and Ryan Thelwell, but. Yeah, no, this Lions group this year is extraordinary. Um, Eddie Brown at 15 touchdowns. Um, Ed Hervey, of course, former Lions GM. Terry Vaughn. One of the all-time leaders. Yeah. Yeah, no, so you've had some great receiving groups over the years in the CFL, and this Lions group, it hangs with a lot of them. I mean, as we've talked about all year, plug and play. Playoff tickets are on sale for BC Lions Insiders tomorrow. October 11th, they go on sale to the general public. The always popular University of Washington Husky Marching Band will be performing on Friday. That's fun. And we're giving away tickets here on Sakarison Price. Last call, we'll be picking a winner tomorrow. Text hashtag Lions to 778-402-9680. For your chance to win, it comes with a food and beverage voucher and a gift card at the team store. Huge one tonight at BC Place. Whitecaps with the win and with some help on the out-of-town scoreboard with Kansas City and Minnesota losing. Could clinch a playoff spot in the MLS West. Three games left, two at home. They're in Seattle on the weekend. And we had speculated that St. Louis having already won the West, cemented themselves in first place, that number one seed, mm-hmm. may dress a rotational lineup here in Vancouver. Yeah. Because the game doesn't mean all that much, but no, St. Louis is coming with something pretty close to the reels here. Yeah, it sounds like, and we don't have definitive 11 yet, but it sounds like it'll be a little less rotational than originally anticipated. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Klaus doesn't draw in. Like we were thinking, but, it might be five or six of your eleven yeah, who are not exactly regular two or three guys probably. or true starters. Yeah. yeah, 
So it's going to be very interesting. And here's the thing. By the time kickoff, and it'll be right down to the wire here, but maybe the score will allow the Whitecaps to uh, to catch wind of this. So it's a, it's a Dallas loss or draw or a Minnesota loss or draw tonight in combination with a Whitecaps win. But by the time they kick off at St. Louis City, that Dallas game will be over or will be in the 90th minute, if you will. So if they are about to draw or lose... And the safest bet would be, you know, even if they're in the 85th minute, if they're down a goal or two, you know that you're going to get the loss or draw for sure. Um, then the Whitecaps will know hey, when they kick off, it's win and you're in, potentially. So uh, we'll have to watch the out-of-town scoreboard. The other game is uh, Minnesota and LAFC. That game starts at the exact same time. Yeah, that so. game's in Los Angeles. Yeah. So um, you may not know the result going in, but... That's probably better for you that LFC, LAFC has them at home. Totally. Yeah, no, a, a loss or a draw for Minnesota United is in the cards here. Yes, absolutely. Baseball and uh, good day of baseball on the opening day of these wild card series. I, I quite enjoyed uh, the three ball games I was able to catch last night. Although I got to say, uh, from a Blue Jays perspective, you're, you're, you're still shaking your head with this club. I mean... Eight years since they returned to the playoffs for the first time in in twenty, mm-hmm. they're still just an immature, not ready for primetime club. That's what it in feels a lot like. Of ways. That's what it feels like. Just not a great fundamental team. Not a great baseball IQ team. There's not a great um, sense of I've been here before. I know what to do. Even though there's yeah. guys that have and, been there, but before. the 15 and 16 teams have had swagger and played with it confidently. They had that incredible lineup that yeah. you just felt could get to any pitcher. This lineup, not so much. Nope. And so you've got to be a little more perfect. Look, Kevin Gosman is a two pitch guy, and that's probably preventing him from being a true ace. The Minnesota game plan yesterday. And they had been like this with Gosman in the past. They're just going to lay off that splitter, and they're going to force him to throw fastballs up and throw his third pitch, which he doesn't. Big drop off to the third pitch. And so they got to him again. Then you look at, and when we say they got to him, Royce Lewis got to him. Because the glass half full view here for the Blue Jays is one guy had a monster night at the plate, was seeing the ball great, hits two home runs, plates all three runs. Matt Chapman misses a three-run home run that puts you in the lead, misses it by feet. Ball went 401 feet, needed to go 405, and it's out. Longer than Lewis's home runs, too. Right. But then there's the stuff that drives you nuts. Bichette running through a stop sign, getting thrown out at the plate. Vladdy, leadoff double in the seventh, and then deplorable at-bats from Bichette and Bichio. So anxious. So impatient. And this has been a thing with the Jays all year. Runners in scoring position, they wilt. Everybody wants to be the hero. And the Minnesota Twins took professional at-bats yesterday. If you listen to Kevin Barker, Joe Siddle, it has been a theme all year with the analysts breaking down the Blue Jays. They just don't take good enough at-bats as a team. It does feel like an assembly of individual players. It, it, mm. it does, you know, despite the high fives and the the customs that they've had over the last couple of years, it's still they don't seem like they are a group that is assembled right down to the batting order. It doesn't feel like there's method to the madness from John Schneider. I'm not calling his prowess into. I think it's just who they've got. It just did. I don't know that the pieces work together. They're 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 decent enough players that they muscled their way to the record that they did, 
Well, but, and the pitching staff is terrific, and, yeah. and the bullpen has been a lot better this year. But, I mean, if, if this team is only going to go so far as Vladdy and mm-hmm. Bo Bichette slug their way and right now they're just they're not they're just average players and, and Blake I just I continue to wonder if they would just be a better team if they had not made the Varsho trade there's Gabriel Marino hitting a home run for Arizona last night Gurriel's in, in the lineup as well yeah now all that said this was always going to be the toughest game for the Blue Jays to win despite Minnesota on that 18 game playoff losing streak which is now snapped and the reason being Pablo Lopez is their best starting pitcher by a wide margin. Number two, the Minnesota lineup had shown in the past it knew how to handle Kevin Gossin, and true to form did so again, and that terrific Minnesota bullpen was fresh. So we'll see about today when you've got a lesser starter, when the Blue Jays are throwing somebody, Barrios, who of course has history with the Twins, and when both teams have had to go into the bullpen in game one in a close two-run game late. Also looking forward to watching. I love this quadruple header business. It's just fantastic. It's good. Stagger starts. Oh, the stagger starts is brilliant. And flipping back and forth yesterday between the evening games, uh, it's a fantastic time of year for the sports fan. And baseball, a big part of that. Shout out to listener Chaz. Stopped by here at the Wall Center today. Said hello. Said, hey, what are you doing here? It's where we do the show. He goes, I listen all the time. So shout out Chaz. And let's get to today's menu. Brought to you by AG1. And... You know, it's it's time to turn over a new leaf, new season upon us here in autumn. And going into what can be a hectic party season uh, towards December, of course, take care of yourself. Give yourself the foundational nutrition with AG1. Go to drinkag1.com slash Price and get a special offer. We'll talk to Chris Faber today. Players that we talk about include Niels Hoaglander, Vasily Podkolzin, Jack Rathbone, Cole McWard, plus his Canucks prospect of the week. Frankie Corrado on defense by committee and rehashing the decision to allow Ilya Mikheyev to play on that partially torn ACL. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, plus Alexander Holland's new 1,000-yard man for the BC Lions in the receiving core. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and very excited to announce the release of Yellow Dog's very first mix pack, Box of Tricks. Choose between the classic Play Dead IPA, the award-winning Rough West Coast IPA, and two brand new beers. Growl Extra Pale Ale and Tug of War New Zealand IPA hitting the shelves on Tuesday, November 7th. And at the end of a busy workday, treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Head down to the Richmond Auto right now, Richmond Auto Mall. You can understand me there. Applewood Mitsubishi resides there, and I highly recommend you jump into the vehicle that I've had the pleasure of driving recently, the Mitsubishi Outlander Plug-In Hybrid Edition. Uh, see what not going to the gas pumps 
on a weekly basis does for you, and you don't have to overpay to get into said vehicle. Go check it out. Take one for a test drive and tell me you don't love it because it's all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today. How many starts will Thatcher Demko make this season? Over 55 and a half, under 55 and a half. You can vote at Sikharison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. I'm sure I will regret this Bodog line of the day. Washington's look good. Not sure I'm laying a lot of points with them. Bears passed for 300 yards last week. Oh, no. Chicago plus five and a half on your Bodog line of the day. Joining us now from Canucks Conversation and Canucks Army is Chris Faber, and we're very pleased to announce that Chris is going to be a weekly guest here with Sick Harrison Price on Wednesdays this hockey season. How are we doing, buddy? You look fantastic. Yeah, thanks. I'm uh, I'm actually getting married in four days, so uh, it's, it's that's what I meant, Chris. For a guy who's getting You're married glowing. in four days, would have felt all the stress would hit home here. But look at you! It's one of those smiling as ever. I've woken up early and uh, or not really too early. I've came on and jumped on with you guys here, so the whole day hasn't really hit me yet. But it seems like every day by like nine o'clock at night, it's like, oh god, we get to do this all again tomorrow. It's uh, I'm very much looking forward to like a fast forward button whenever that's invented, because I would love to just get to Sunday right now and get to that damn wedding. Absolutely. Well, we wish you and your bride uh, yes. all the best for Sunday. We met her at the uh, Canadians game mm-hmm. this year, if I'm not mistaken. We all had a good picnic there and barbecue. Are you working Saturday night and then the, getting married the next day? No, I've luckily got a couple days off before and after. I actually uh, I get the Monday off, which is the day after Saturday before. I'm good. Uh, and then Friday, we've got uh, Harmon filling in for me on our show. Ah, uh, ah, yeah, okay. basically like three days off, uh, which is really something I haven't had since working in this industry. So I'm very excited. About yeah, the days of, there's no days off here in season, as you know. And and boy, I, I thought Quadrelli was tough, but he got get. He gets you three days off, Blake. Wow. He's softening in his old age. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's why you hey. make him a groomsman, right? Then he's got to be included in the rolling <laughs> cast, So that's uh, that Yeah, well done. <laughs> well done. We're going to start with our Bodog poll question today, Chris. And I know uh, I know your compadre there, David, is the goalie guy on your show. But uh, over-under starts for Thatcher Demko this year. Uh, we were talking to Saravelli yesterday. He thinks the number's 55. So what do you think, over or under, for 55 and a half starts for Thatcher this year? Yeah, I'm going to bet that he gets closer to 60 than 50. So I think 55 is a good range to go with. I would take the over on 55. Oh, I, okay. I think that depending on how the start of the season goes, I think you're going to see him a lot. And I think depending on how the middle of the season goes, you're going to see him a lot at the end. So I think a lot of it is depending on how this team ends up performing early on and kind of rolls into it. But we've seen Rick talk it. He's a guy who likes to have his good starter going. We know that Ian Clark kind of is the goaltender whisperer here. He's going to understand where Thatcher Demko's at. And though Casey DeSmith is certainly an upgrade on what they've had in the backup position for the last couple of years, I, I think once you see Demko back to full form, you're just going to want to play him, right? If he's playing well, you're probably going to want to play him, uh, especially if he starts to get into a little bit of a groove here. So I would, I would not be surprised to see him just get around sixty-ish, like just around yeah. one. There's a health gamble there too, though. So you're making a health gamble as well. You think he's durable enough that he can do that right now? Yeah, I think he's coming in healthy at least, right? That's a very good thing yeah. for this season. But you are seeing more and more as the years go by that goalies rarely get to 60 as well. I think uh, it will be interesting to see how it plays out. I just think this Canucks team, 
I mean, heck, you could see it in just the preseason games that Demko's played in. Like, they're very reliant on Thatcher Demko being a strong goaltender for this team to be successful. And that's not just by, like, a game-to-game basis. That's 82 games over a full season. So, yeah, I'd be surprised if he's under 50. I'll say that for sure. Yeah. What's your confidence level in DeSmith, Chris? Not the highest. I think uh, as a backup, pretty high, right? I think it would be interesting. Like, it would be a very tough situation for the Canucks to see Thatcher Demko go down. I mean, then you're going to have Archer Seelaws battling with Casey DeSmith. And I, at that point, I wouldn't be super confident in DeSmith getting the bulk of the starts. But in the role that he's at right now as the backup, I feel pretty confident. I think he showed well in the preseason action that we saw. And we'll probably see him at some point over these last two games here to get a little bit of a run. But one game every two weeks, one game every 10 days, whatever it may be. I, I think there's a confidence level that's at least higher than there has been in the past couple of years here anyways with the backup. With the Canucks at 24 effectively, Ilya Mikheyev on injured reserve. Um, there's really only one cut to be made. A, a lot of the cuts happened early. You were pretty dialed in with Abby from last year and, and a lot of the prospects coming in. You surprised nobody got a little bit of a longer run deeper into the preseason? Yeah, I loved what Archie Baines got early on in, in training camp, specifically getting a chance to play with a top nine line. And Akita Hirose probably didn't get the biggest run. Matt, that probably frustrated you a little bit. But, uh, you know, watching some of these guys not really get that opportunity to showcase in the home game uh, against Edmonton was something that I was a little bit surprised with. I thought that maybe they could have rolled with, you know, a a top six line and a bottom six line and then mix in some AHL guys as you go through here. But in the end, I think after that 10, nothing loss, I really think a lot changed where it was like, yeah, we can't really do half and half lineups because we're just going to get our asses kicked. So uh, they had to roll out here with a little bit of a better lineup and wasn't really a surprise to me to see a very NHL lineup uh, against the Oilers over the weekend. And, I think we'll expect to see similar things here now that we've seen some cuts and not going to like also forget that uh, AHL training camp starts today out in Chilliwack for the Abbotsford Canucks as well. So uh, they're already doing a training camp. I don't expect to see any of those guys in the lineup tonight for the Vancouver Canucks in Abbotsford. Vasily mm. put Colson, Chris, where are you on him? And is the word bust now appropriate for him? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. 10th um, overall pick. You're not going to get one of the superstars, obviously out of this guy, but to me, the development has been extremely mishandled over the past four years, and I don't think it's the Vancouver Canucks' fault. I think a lot of that goes on Ska. Uh, this is a guy who came in at 18 and 19 years old and was playing six, seven, eight, nine minutes a game in the KHL, not being trusted with anything on the special teams units. And then when he did get time on the special teams units, he looked great in the KHL. And those two years, basically, you can throw away for development. You're not doing much on ice development, and I think that's starting to come to fruition now in the NHL where – Rick Tockett saying, okay, like he doesn't have like the quite the thinking the game exactly as fast as we would like to see, man, all that comes when you're like 18, 19, 20 years old and you're getting high minutes in a lower league that isn't the NHL. You develop that hockey sense. You're able to, you know, kind of grow your game in a certain way that you find is going to. You're in all the situations you, you by, by virtue of just living those situations, you get that wisdom, right? Exactly. And I think that was the unfortunate thing. Like, man, I, I remember waking up at 3 a.m. to watch Bud Coles and play with Scott and he gets four minutes. And I'm like, what's, what's he gaining from that at all? What's the team gaining from that at all? So that whole situation was tough. His rookie season, you could say, Hey, he came in and developed there. He, he looked well, he fit in, he scored 14 goals. And then last season kind of takes a step back. I just think that he needs to find a role. And the easiest spot for him to find a role is the Abbotsford Canucks because he's going to go there. He is head and shoulders above everybody else on that Abbotsford Canucks roster, right? Whether it's management, coaches, players, the way they're all going to be looking at Vasily Colson is above everybody else there. He is the first-round pick who's not only a high pick, 
but now is 22 years old. So he's not the 18-year-old kid who's coming in or the 19-year-old. He's now 22. He's had some NHL games. He's scored at the NHL level. They're going to look at him to do everything. He now officially has a role, and I think that's a difficult thing in the NHL is certain weeks his role has been top six with JT Miller. Certain weeks he's been a healthy scratch, and that's extremely tough for confidence. I know getting sent down to the AHL can't help your confidence either, but when you're riding a high of like, I'm playing with JT, I'm in the top six, and then three days later, nope, nope, now you're not even playing. Like, that's got to be tough on the confidence to just bounce up and down like a roller coaster so much. So I think just steadying the base here, the final year of his entry-level contract, I'm not worried about Vasily Podkolz and figuring it out. I think he's going to be excellent for the Abbotsford Canucks fans out there. They're going to really enjoy watching him do really everything for that forward group out there in Abbotsford. And yeah, I don't I don't think we're even close to the point of calling him a bust just yet. I think it's going to be interesting yeah. to see what happens. And man, I would love to see him get a run, like play a little bit of center, like do some things out there in Abbotsford that you might kind of. I've been calling that. I've been calling for that for years. Yeah. I, is it too much to ask for Ratu and Pod Colson to be like team like points leaders on the Abbotsford Canucks? Is that too much to ask? Well, Dries is there with all that. I, I don't mean, yeah, I mean, I don't I mean tippy top, but top four, you know, in the collective. Yeah, I think Ratu, you, you'd expect him to be. Like, I'd expect top five in points out there in Abbotsford this year. I think he, he showed really well at uh, Young Stars. I think he has done some off-season improvements that you're going to see pretty much from the the immediate drop of the puck out there in Abbotsford. So uh, I'm excited to see what Ratu looks like. I would I would say Pod Colson is a guy that probably, like, it might shock me. And, and you brought up Sheldon Drys there, Matt. Like, yeah, he's a guy who could just put up more points in the AHL than a Vasily Pod Colson. But I think night-to-night impact you're expecting the two-way game from Vasily Podkoles, and you're expecting him to put up a lot of points. You want to see him grow his confidence in his shot, his playmaking, and all these things. But, yeah, like, Linus Carlson's going to score a lot. Like, he is going to put up a lot of points. Sheldon Dry is going to put up a lot of points. Um, you are going to see some guys out there that are sort of at that level of just too good of scores in the AHL but can't figure out a role in the NHL. Yeah. I think that's not where you want Podkolson to fall. You want him to fall into the spot of, just developing, just growing his game, and not necessarily needing to be a top scorer, but I, I think he'll be up there. I think you can expect Ratu and Pod Colson to be, you know, top five, depending on when they get called up, because I think both will get NHL opportunities this year. But I think both of them should be around the top five of scoring for Abbotsford when the time they get that call up is. Hoaglander, and they seem hesitant to want to put him on a line with Suter and Garland too small. That means he's probably going to be a fourth liner. Is that, are you okay with that? Is that good enough real estate for Hoaglander and gives him a chance to contribute and develop with the yeah, NHL club? I think club? it could be period by period. You might see him go up and play some top six minutes, right? I think he's a guy that Rick Tockett, the more Tockett sees of Hoaglander in game, he's going to say, oh, like I can work with this. I can work with this kid who works his ass off. You know, he isn't afraid to throw an elbow in the corner, though he's short. He can knock guys over with that little, you know, fire hydrant frame that he's got on him. And, and watching Hugliner be able to work, if he's able to really buy in to what Rick Tockett is selling, I think there's a match that's going to be extremely beneficial for Hugliner and the way that he's going to grow as an NHL player. Uh, fourth line role, not exactly what you would like to see, especially some of the flashes we've seen from Niels Hugliner. But I think that's the reason he's on the fourth line is it's only been flashes. It hasn't been a consistent thing aside from maybe that rookie season when he really found some chemistry with Tanner Pearson and Bo Horvat. Neil Suglander hasn't been able to do it on a night to night basis. I still think there's some decision-making in his own zone that are, that are going to hurt him. And I think a fourth line role won't put so much pressure on him to move the puck out. And I also like the fact that he would be the skill guy on a line. I like when he is the guy who kind of has that confidence from his line mates to do something, to create, whether it be playmaking or scoring goals or shooting the puck, 
I like the the other two guys on the line looking at him being like, no, you shoot it. Like on a two-on-one, you are shooting it. And I like that being put on Huglander because when he's in a top six line, he's got JT Miller on his side. He's got Elias Pettersson with him. He's kind of put himself in this own box to just be a guy to set up the other line mates. It's like, no, man, you got some skill. Pull that crazy lacrosse move that you did. Like do some stuff like that. Build some confidence. So I, I think in a fourth line role, as long as he's able to clean up kind of the weakest point of his game, which to me is decision-making right around his own blue line. It, it doesn't hurt to just get the puck out. Like, just get reset. I'm a 100% with you, Faber. If he cleans up the defensive detail, you watch him move his way up this lineup in season and perhaps even, as you say, in-game. Cole McWard, is he ready for this smoke? Yeah, I don't think there's many NHL teams that are saying, give me that guy as my 1RD, but... <laughs> This committee thing that they're going to run here. Um, I still don't know. I know that Rick Talkin mentioned we're going to go by committee. I, I don't buy it. I don't think we're going to see as much as people are maybe buying into just the quote that Rick Talkin talked about with committee. I think he's going to play with Cole McWard like 80 to 90% of his shifts at five on five. I think Quinn Hughes will get an opportunity to be with Philip Hronick late in games. We saw it in the preseason game against Edmonton after every penalty kill. It was Hughes and Hronick out there together. But aside from that, there was one offensive zone faceoff where Tyler Myers was out there with Quinn Hughes in that game. And this is the defense core that's what it's going to look like on opening night, it feels like, unless there's a couple changes over the final two preseason games. I mean, anybody can play with Quinn Hughes, and we're really seeing it now with the kid who came out of the NCAA last year and doesn't have more than 10 games of experience in the NHL. And I think there's a lot to like with Cole McWard. I think he's got the size. I like the way he moves the puck. The one thing I have really liked about McWard and Hughes is McWard's very good at going stick to stick, tape to tape with Quinn Hughes. Like he doesn't have a lot of missed passes. He's very accurate with his passes. It's just, man, you mentioned it. Like the smoke's coming here pretty quick when you're the top pairing guy and you're actually going up against top NHL lines consistently in the NHL, man. Like when the regular season gets going here, it's going to be something that is going to shock Cole McWard a little bit. But what other what other options do they have, right? Like. I mean, a, a Ryan Stanton like trade uh, is is possible, but they'd have to wow. put a bunch of guys on waivers to make room for that said player. So I, there's not a lot of options here. A Ryan Stanton like trade, right? Yeah. Wow, are you digging into the crates here of Canucks yeah. history? Remember Ryan Stanton? Remember how we were drunk on Stanton for a few he games? A, he there? had a nice season. He stepped no, in, in and one nice season. Well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Jack Rathbo. Chris was 12 years old when that happened, right? <laughs> He wants that. Um, he, he was contributing to our show. Now he's a, a regular yeah. on our show. Um, Jack Rathbone is the best case scenario. I, I, I see talk about trade, and I guess he would have some value as a strictly you know minor league trade where you don't have to get him through waivers yourself. But look, everyone just had a crack at this guy, and 31 teams said no. Is the best case scenario here that he just has a terrific year in the HL? And we were looking at how few games he's actually played, Chris, over the last four years, that he just has a bounce back, good year in the HL, and that you're able to move him at the deadline for something. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's going to really change much in the value, to be honest. Like, even if he is one of the top scoring guys in the HL, not going to really move the needle for a lot of teams to go and make a trade for him and, and specifically give up something of value. Uh, with Rathbone, I think it's been a similar situation for the past basically year and a half of, hey, if it's not going to work out in Vancouver, let's talk with other teams and see who else has not necessarily a problem, because I don't think Jack Rathbone's a problem. The problem is more for the player and the situation that they're in. So I think you'll see, I don't know, honestly, you could see it in the next two weeks. You can see it maybe three months from now, but 
some other team's going to have a guy in a similar spot who's maybe a center or maybe a winger even like you, you'd like to add the center, but it may end up just being a winger who is at the same age and is in the same situation. This happens to a lot of guys in the NHL around the league, and you'll start to see, you know, point totals from the AHL whenever that trade comes down the road. But for now, it's it's just going to be too difficult for him to find any minutes in Vancouver due to the fact of some of the other, I guess, left shot defensemen who are in the lineup and he hasn't been able to change his game that much, unfortunately. I think his defensive game has improved. I also think, you know, just walking by him in the halls and uh, seeing him around the city, he's he put on some weight. Like, he has put on a lot of muscle. And from the guys that I talked to uh, about their offseason workouts, like, Rathbone's a beast in the gym, from what I hear. And I know he's worked really hard this year to improve that so that he has more strength. But, yeah, I think it's going to end up being something over the next, like I said, could be two weeks, could be three months. I think we'll see a, a change of scenery, but it's going to be a guy who's in a similar spot. And I like that. If they, if you know, if they give him an opportunity to go play somewhere else, I hope he, I hope the best for him. He's a great yeah. kid, awesome to deal with. Probably one of my favorites I've ever dealt with in the Canucks uh, organization. And I hope that the guy coming in here is really hungry, right? And it feels like that, yeah. uh, that role yeah. he has to kind of steal it from somebody else at that point. And of course, so uh, we all remember the kid spent uh, an extra year back home uh, helping out with his brother who has special needs. Uh, lastly, Chris, and we're going to end every interview with you on Wednesdays with this. Who is your Vancouver Canucks prospect of the week, my man? Yeah, we are. We're actually heading over to the OHL. Uh, there was actually a lot of options this week. We had a beautiful saucer pass from Lucas Forcell in the SHL. Jonathan LeCaramacki scored again. We had a four point night from a right shot defenseman, Hunter Brustevich. But I'm going to go with Kirill Kudryatsev. Uh, and I also picked the, the hardest name to pronounce for my first one here with you guys. But Kirill Kudryatsev uh, had a goal and three assists over the weekend. He's with the Sioux Greyhounds in the OHL. This kid impressed us at Young Stars. You guys saw him out there. He's a, he's a player who can kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, and I think the fact that he's over here and came from Russia to jump into the OHL and learn the North American game. Also a Dan Milstein client, so you know he's going to get all the opportunities in the world. Uh, but he had a great weekend, one goal and three assists as Sue just kicked the crap out of the teams that they played in the OHL opening weekend. Uh, and the Greyhounds are looking very good. From the people I talked to out in the OHL, they're saying the Greyhounds, they've they found it. After not making the playoffs last year, they made some big changes, had some high draft picks. They are a very exciting team. And Kudryatsev is PP1, playing with uh, Andrew Gibson, who was a second-round pick in last year's draft, I believe. Uh, a very big right-shot defenseman who makes a lot of sense for that pairing. So I'm going with Kudryatsev this week with one goal and assist in two games of the OHL. I lied. One more question. What will be the big everybody on the dance floor song at the Faber <laughs> wedding on Sunday? What, what are you going with? Just what are you going singing with? karaoke, which, which <laughs> will be the most likely scenario. Yeah, I've been banned off of karaoke. Also, my best karaoke song, Hero by Enrique, has been banned from the wedding. Of, uh, oh. Oh. Unfortunate. But uh, I think... Yeah. I enjoyed your Creed. Your Creed uh, karaoke was decent. Was yeah. that higher? Yeah, that was higher. That was, uh, we'll see if, I don't, you know, I'm going to make a push for Creed. Well. There. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. Now, shout out to the cameraman who took that too. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Errors and omissions, by the way, September 2013, Ryan Stanton was a waiver claim. Wasn't a trade. Wasn't a trade. Yeah. Uh, Chris, have a uh, great wedding. All right, buddy. I hope everybody enjoys themselves, and we'll catch up next Wednesday, which is uh, opening yeah. night for the Absolutely. Canucks. A bunch, bunch of Maritimers coming in, so you can't have a bad wedding with a bunch of them. So that's exciting. That's true. <laughs> it's a Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group. 
Hashtags is the segment. It's the best and worst of Twitter.com, and it's brought to you by Jason Hominick. Jason.mortgage. If you have a great rate on your mortgage, but you still need equity out of your house, Jason has a solution where you keep your great rate and access that and access that equity without touching your existing mortgage. If your mortgage is up in the next six months, now is the time to reach out. Find them at Jason.mortgage. The U.S. Treasury was like, um, no, we think... Uh the economy's going to be really great in the medium term. So I don't know what that means. I don't, I, oh, really? Yeah. I have no idea. Talk to Jason. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think anybody has I, any clue. I, I uh, missed the announcement out of the Treasury yesterday. Uh, the Washington story I paid attention to was that Speaker of the House vote. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah, <there> was- <laughs> First time in their history they voted oh, out a Speaker. God. Uh, lots of music news uh, around sports these days. Uh, we found out Usher's doing the Super Bowl. We found out Green Day's doing the Great Cup, which was mm-hmm. a great get. With uh, Carrie Underwood doing the festival. Doing the festival. Those are two good yeah, names. Good gets. <laughs> Carrie, of course, has a football connection. Hockey connection. Well, she's, and who can forget the headline, Predators trade for Carrie Underwood's husband. Yes. But... Uh, she does uh, the theme song. Oh, it? that, it's, uh, yes. Yeah. She, at one point, she did Monday night, didn't she? She was it Monday night? No, Sunday night. She's Sunday? waiting all day for Sunday night, Blake. Oh, okay. At Edmonton, what is Alberta's own Nickelback will perform during the second intermission of the NHL's Heritage Classic on October the 29th at Commonwealth Stadium. They're, they're, they're kind of ours now, actually. Bring, bring your woolies, fellas. That's going to be cold. I've heard that the town... In Alberta, where they're from, where what is it called? Hannah. Hannah. I think they're taking down the uh, home of Nickelback sign because it's too much of a distraction for motorists. And what? The city. Yeah. I think, Why would you do that? I'd heard that. Well, they all live here anyway. They live in Vancouver now. You don't get yeah, Vancouver and L.A. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, enjoy. Nickelback is back. Well, I think Chad's out in Abbotsford. Yeah, he has been for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. Currently, where they that's right, keeping, abide, but keeping tabs on rock stars can be difficult. It is, yes. At Michael Grange, and this was the Raptors here at Burnaby for their training camp. Masai Ujiri, I wanted to get to this the other day on not initiating extension talks with Siakam. Quote A lot of players didn't play the right way. I said it that we were selfish. I'm not running away from that. We were selfish. We didn't play the right way. So let us see it when we play the right way. Yeah, I, I mean, good on him for explaining to Raptors fans what he saw at yeah. the end of last year. He also said, I didn't particularly enjoy watching our team play, which is not something you hear a lot out of the head sporting executive of your franchise. But it was good honesty from Ujiri at the time, and he's standing by it, and he's basically saying to Siakam and others, prove yourself. Now, It's also the refrain of a guy who didn't pull off any moves. Yeah. And you do wonder whether he wanted to do more with this team. But they've got a few situations there, OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, where do they want to be there long term? Mm-hmm. And if not, are the Toronto Raptors going to basically be the, the grocery store here for the NBA? Are other teams going to come a look and say, oh, I like that guy and I like that guy and I like that guy? Are we looking at a total tear down rebuild if this season doesn't go well for them. Maybe Scotty Barnes is a player? Probably not. Scotty Barnes really has to step up this year because that was a terrific rookie season followed by a uh, yeah. meh 
second season. Not the first guy to sophomore slump. We'll see how he pulls out of it. He's super young and, of course, incredibly gifted. But the Raptors are here yet again for training camp. And, of course, they got a preseason game at Rogers Arena. Uh, at Fabrizio Romano, soccer insider, Morocco, Spain, and Portugal are set to host the 2030 World Cup. Uruguay, really? Argentina, and Paraguay. Just sit, sit down. Let's, let's digest the first sentence. Yeah. Morocco, Spain, and Portugal are okay. set to host the 2030 World Cup. Set that aside. Have we digested that? Well, set it aside. Uruguay, Argentina, and Paraguay to play the first games at home to celebrate the 100 years since the first edition. It's going to be World Cup in three continents for the first time ever. Hmm. So they're making six teams start the tournament in South America, get jet lag flying to Southern Europe, Northern Africa, mm-hmm. and restart the pools. Mm-hmm. Seems a little convoluted. Why wouldn't they have just given the whole tournament to Uruguay, Argentina, and yeah. The uh, Strait of Gibraltar World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I, I, I Take the boat over to Tangier. I don't mind the configuration, the Morocco, Spain, Portugal thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's all tight quarters. I, yeah, yeah, I make, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah. Three cultures for the price of one. And in terms of uh, attending it, that, that'd be a fun World Cup. So does that mean, um, is, does, does Spain, Portugal, and Morocco just saying it's a little too big for us? Like we don't want. To host all the games? No, there's, little, the, there's the historic... It's just on the history? Yeah. There's nothing underlying that? No. Nope. Okay. No. Nope. All right. Well, the uh, Vancouver Canucks and Philip Ronick in particular is going to be on a hot seat here. Uh, number one, the Canucks trade first and second round picks to acquire him at the deadline last year. One of the big surprise trades of NHL deadline. And then, of course, the Canucks with that first round draft pick... Stand pat and take Tom Wielander. And we know why they took Wielander, because mm-hmm. he's a right-shot defenseman, and they're the rare breed, and they're hoping that one day he can fit beside Quinn Hughes or one of their lefties. One of the defensemen they passed up, Axel Sandin Pelica. Have you seen how he started no, this season? No, Six games played, nearly 18 minutes on the ice, three goals, one assist, 31 shots, 12 on goal. His expected goals, 5-on-5, five five is 66%. His Corsi 4 is 64%. And uh, Detroit beat writers are taking notice of what he's doing with the pick surrendered by the Canucks for Philip Roenick. Yeah, this is going to be another one of those trades right. where we follow the history of it and see what comes of it. I think Sandine Pelica will be linked to Heronic and Wielander, and hopefully not in the same context, as Kachuk was linked to Oli Levy. And you're seeing it with Zach Benson, too. Well, and that was the other thing. I know I know Benson got a lot of run here, people looking at him and how he's performing in training camp and going, ah, oh, what a guy, I can't believe Vancouver and others passed up on him so that he fell to Buffalo at 13th overall. So, yeah, Benson and Sandine Pelica, I think, will be tied to Wheelander. Unless Wheelander just becomes such a great NHL player, there's no buyer's remorse, right? Yeah, right. I mean, you know, uh, like you don't hear that about Hughes or I Patterson. Heard, I heard uh, Bruff talking about um, Devin Witherspoon, mm-hmm. and like you know, that was a bit of a surprise pick. But if Devin Witherspoon ends up being the best cornerback in the league or the top three cornerbacks in the league, I don't think you really worry about what Carter does. 
you know, I don't think you have any buyer's remorse. No. If you get the if you have a, a top even top five guy mm-hmm. in position in the league, yep. you just count that as a victory. I, I mean, unless your run defense is so bad that that is what holds you back, I, I'm a hundred. But you've got other you. years. You've got no, other exactly, years. Exactly. Exactly. You, know, so. you have other years. You have other opportunities to fix your run defense yeah. if you didn't feel it was going to. By the way, Fabrizio Romano. Yeah. Like I love Frank Saravelli. And the hockey insiders <laughs> and the Adam Schefters of the world. Fabrizio Romano. When you're the insider for the world's most popular sport, this is what happens. Has 18.9 million followers. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Like, yeah. Adam Schefter has a quaint 10 and a half. Mm. Fabrizio almost doubles him up. Again, global sport. We've yeah, talked about sure it a is. million times. And, of course, uh, while he is Italian and based in Milan... He tweets in English. Yeah. It's a good follow. Uh, well, no, but that's hard. I mean, yeah. that's the world language, right? Yeah. Like, So that's how you build your base, up to 19 million <laughs> followers. I'm sure he's monetized that. Uh, one more for me. Oh, I would sure hope so. At FOS, building off of yesterday's Expos <laughs> news. If he hasn't, Fabrizio, we can help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Join us at FOS Front Office Sports. Major League Baseball doesn't even have a defined process for expansion yet, but that hasn't stopped hopeful cities from lining up. This is apropos, again, from our stuff yesterday. Cities angling to be part of MLB's future. Montreal, Nashville, Orlando, Charlotte, Raleigh, Portland, and Salt Lake City. Quote tweeting that is Kevin Weeks, at Kevin Weeks. And Kevin has been at the forefront of a couple of these NHL expansion stories. Similar to the NHL in terms of no official process, yet plenty of interest expressed from the following and more in no particular order, he says. Quebec City, Salt Lake City, South Forsyth, which is is Metro Atlanta, Houston, Portland, San Diego, and second club in the GTA of Toronto. Um, Well, that'll be a hell of a fight. So, and not just with the Leafs, if they want it, unless it's north of the city, that'll be a fight with the Sabres as well. You know, we went a couple of years without a lot of expansion chatter here because Seattle had been and Las Vegas had just come in. Mm-hmm. Boy, we we just heard from John Shannon on this yesterday. I mean, there's some momentum here. Don't ever underestimate the greed of NHL governors. Right. That's of course what's fueling this. Oh, we can make a whole lot of money that we don't have to share with the players by just continuously expanding. Are we going to get to the point I, where I we have two some, separate leagues? Like, we're, we're not going to, the East and West conferences aren't going to play each other? Or at least not a lot. I mean, it, I mean if, if you expand by, f- and John mentioned four to yeah. us, up to 36, at that point, can you go home and away with everybody in the league? Kind of like you can. Your otherwise divisions mean mm-hmm. nothing. The other thing that I wonder, and we'll see what happens here in, I think, the, uh, you know, the regional sports network reckoning hasn't yet taken hold in the NHL. They were able to yep. stave a lot of it off in comparison to baseball. And, of course, baseball basically took back Major League Baseball, the regional rights of it, a handful of clubs, and said, okay, we'll do it. And, of course, Major League Baseball has, well, a division that's been world class in terms of digital for some time, as well as more economic might than the NHL head office. But somebody told me, and someone I respect, this, a smart hockey business guy, said to me during the pandemic, they may have to fix all this with a second team in Toronto. That that, that is the most lucrative market out there. Mm-hmm. 
everybody outside of the Toronto Maple Leafs recognize that that is a big enough community f- to support a second team. I mean, hell, we got three in the New York City area. We got two in Greater Los Angeles. How is the world's biggest hockey market not have a second team? Yeah, and, and of course, you know the Leafs will kick and scream, but a rink somewhere north of the city, which is what a good twenty to thirty kilometers from downtown, yeah, to service all the suburban folk up there, and you can probably sell that franchise for way more than you. What are some of the other cities? San Diego, Atlanta, Houston. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot I of mean, money down there, but oh, sure, yeah. but if you're one of those owners and you're looking at a team, you you, you look around at like markets and go. You know, these teams don't necessarily drive the revenue that makes it worth what the NHL is asking for. Whereas, team in Toronto, you, I'm sure the prospective owner looks at it and goes, "This ultimately could be a license to print money." Even if it's a U.S. owner, they might just oh, see yeah. like, like you know, like all this fascination with buying up English football teams and right. all that sort of thing. And and that's the other like for the least to kick and moan. A, it's in your own league. There's multiple examples of it. Not to mention. Like, look at, again, the world's most popular sport. How many teams are in London? Yeah. You know? Well, and the other thing, too, is that building has been full regardless of the quality of club. Yes. Because you just have so many damn hockey fans. Honestly, the the Leafs won't That selling 18 to 20,000 tickets is not difficult in the least. I truly don't think they would notice it. I truly don't think there would be an, a, 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 at all. An I think effect they on would the look at it and go, "Long term, this really threatens us because you're splitting the market, and now our, you know, potential customer is down, you know, to half. So basically, you're working out of a market of what two and a half to three million, as opposed to what your market. But, but look at even the worst case scenario: the New York Islanders won four straight Stanley Cups, right? And they almost had to leave. Yeah, and while the New the York Rangers, Rangers were not threatened at, at all, all, at all, at all, Devils came into nothing. Ripples. Rangers just got a new good rival. And, and the and Devils almost had to series. leave, too. Yeah, like, exactly. So even when those teams win Stanley Cups, which both the Devils and Islanders have done in spades yeah. over the last 30, 40 years. Well, the Devils with three, the Islanders with four. Yeah. And both of them with more than the Rangers. And both of them almost had to leave. Exactly. Yeah. And Gotham just kept on keeping on, yeah. which I'm sure the Leafs will, too, if they, if they do have a neighbor there. And that's hashtags for today. <laughs> Frank Corrado is a former Vancouver Canuck. He is, of course, a TSN hockey analyst, and he joins us on Wednesdays. Frank, how are, how are you? Just pointing out the Vancouver Canucks helmet. Oh, there it, yeah, is. it is. There it is. We put it on the top shelf today just for this head. Absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> Your first and only forever a Canuck, Frank Corrado. That's right. Um, and uh, we understand Rick Tockett. And his comments about going defense by committee and everybody better get used to playing with everybody because that's the way it's going to be. Uh, this is registering in Toronto. You're being asked about this. By you might Jay be a part of it. You might be a part of the committee or uh, who knows. That's how yeah. irregular uh, it is. Tell I us. needed this. I need. I needed this a long time ago because if I knew I was going to get an opportunity to play with Edler, play with Ham, who knows? Who knows yeah. what could have been, right? Yeah. Um it's interesting for me, a lot of this stems from the fact that they still don't have a bona fide number, number two top pair defenseman to play with Quinn Hughes. And if you don't have that, then the conversation turns into, well, I guess we got to do it by committee. And I was, I was high on 
Put Philip Hironik with Quinn Hughes. Let that be the top pairing and see if you can figure out the rest from there. But as, as time has gone on here, and now they've made some changes to the blue line, I'm more on board with Hironik playing on the second pair because if he's not on the second pair, I don't know if there's enough puck-moving ability. So I, I feel like it would just all be hoarded on the top pair and there's not enough to go around. But if if you had a bonafide top pair partner to play with Quinn Hughes, this wouldn't be a conversation. And the last time he had a real partner that was his partner staple to him was Chris Tanev. And he's gone and he went for free and he never should have left. So now what you have is this, this rotating cast of characters. Some have worked pretty good. Like Luke Shen at times worked mm-hmm. pretty good for that pair. Tyler Myers hasn't worked well on that pair. And now you're at the point where... It's 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 one of those things for a player. If I'm doing well with a partner, don't break me up now because you have an inefficiency somewhere else in the lineup, right? Like I, I everyone's a team player. Everyone wants the team to do well, but there's a certain comfort level that you get by playing with someone for a long period of time where these there's these little cues on the ice and you almost just start moving and thinking instinctually with your partner you start changing that up to, like too often. It's such a fine line between winning and losing. It could be one miscue here, one miscue the next game. Next thing you know, you just lost two games in a row and maybe you had no business losing those games. I think players, it, it's okay to take players out of their comfort zone from time to time. I think that's how you grow as a player. That's how you evolve. But it, I just, I don't like this whole, it's just going to be a, a rotating so- cast of characters. So, Frank, uh, let me throw this at you, and I haven't yet convinced Blake Price of this, but don't worry, he'll catch up. Uh, We've seen this a little bit in the postseason with Tampa, with Toronto. Is the most efficient lineup then seven defensemen, 11 forwards, because one of the fourth-line wingers, unless they're a penalty killer, probably not playing a whole lot to begin with, and then that at least gives you more options where you can set a pair in game and rotate only a few guys as opposed to the entire cast of characters. For, for, for me, it depends on the strengths of that seven-man group. If you have a guy near the bottom of that group, but he's super offensive and he's almost like just a specialist kind of guy, then it makes sense for me because maybe you find some time for him on a, on a power play unit. Maybe not the first unit, but if you had someone to play with with Quinn Hughes... You would never think about breaking it up. So the the Vegas Golden Knights just won a Stanley Cup with Martinez and Petrangelo as their top pair. Colorado wins with McCarr and Taves. Chicago had all those years of of Keith and Seabrook, as you guys know. It, it's it's like those are cemented. They're never going to change, and you roll those guys as much as you possibly can. Yeah, top pairs are still a thing. Like it is still a it's thing. Still, That's, it's yeah. still a thing. And Hughes yeah. is going to munch a ton of minutes because he's going to play on the power play and he's going to play a lot at five on five. But someone needs to be riding shotgun. Needs to be Batman and Robin, right? Like someone's got to be there with him. Um, and and the seven defenseman thing, I would say this: you're still going to roll your first and your second as is. The variation a lot of times is going to be on the third pair. And it might just be one of those things where if there's a, a, a preferable face-off assignment for a second pair, 
Maybe you throw that guy I just talked about, that kind of offensive specialist. Like you throw him out there with your guy on your second pair because you have an offensive zone face-off now. So you get him in a little bit that way. I still think it goes one, two, three. One, two, three, very like the varied three with your seven guy in there. Like I just think the top four still has to eat the lion's share of the minutes. Christian Willana might be that kind of guy for uh, for uh, all it's worth. Um, the the resumes, the the write ups, and they're not perfect facsimiles of of Frankie Corrado, but both McWard and Juleson, who could be options going forward, are. Uh, you know, our, our guys that are neither stay-at-home defensemen, they're not super offensive defensemen, but they were like yourself, could contribute, could defend. What would have gone through Frank Corrado's mind early in his career with not many NHL games under his belt? What would have gone through your mind? That, uh, we're going to start you with uh, Quinn Hughes on opening night versus Connor McDavid and Leon I, Dreisaitl. I would, I would hope that I was just super naive to the situation and not worried about the consequences about what could go wrong and just what are the opportunities here of what can go right and what can be of this but when you when you start going down that path I find it takes you out of the moment and the the best way for any player to play and take advantage of a situation is just to stay in the moment because if you start looking down the road and you start thinking big picture that's when you know the the sort of the process-oriented goal gets put on the back burner and it becomes all about the outcome. And and I just want the outcome. You feel like you can grab it all the time. Meanwhile, you're forgetting what kind of what kind of process gets you there. It, it's it's a very exciting feeling. Like my first NHL game, I got to play with Alex Edler. And it was just like one of those things where in my head I was like, defer to this guy. You know what I mean? Like this guy's been around. I feel very comfortable with him. Let's just like he's going to do the lion's share of the work. I'm going to be an auxiliary player for him on the ice. I'm going to try and talk as much as I can. I'm going to try and be be open as much as I can. At the end of the day, I want to do right by my D partner because you don't want to leave him high and dry and put him in a bad spot. Like those are the kind of process things that you're thinking about as a young player in those situations. Um, and, and for these guys, listen, if, if you're playing with Quinn Hughes, you should get the you should get the message pretty quick as far as what's going to happen here. He's going to have the puck a lot. He's transporting it up the ice. He's carrying it up the ice. He's going to be up and down. And so you know what you need to do? You just need to be sound positionally. You need to have a little bit of jam in your own zone to try and break things up and get him involved into the breakout because that's a big part of his game. That's a big part of you know every team now exiting the zone is having a four-man attack. Um, it's just about executing it. And one game is great. But the thing that really separates the guys like like Chris Tanev, for instance, is he did it one game and he kept doing it and he kept getting better at it and he kept getting more comfortable. And it just seemed like nothing really phased him at times where things could have phased him. And for young defensemen, that's where you start getting the the deer in the headlights look when things are, are moving a little too fast and maybe, you know, the minuses could be piling up and, and you're just, you're not touching the puck as much. You don't feel as involved in the game. How comfortable, how comfortable are you in those situations? And that's where I see the difference between the guys that really carve out a nice career and the guys like myself 
that play a little bit here and there, and it could have gone better. But hey, you made it to the NHL, and now you get to talk about it for a little. Bit. Were they changing things up there with you with Edler, or was Tanev injured that night? Uh there was a lot. Remember when I got called up? There was a lot of injuries, and that's what led me to playing in the playoffs because yes. yeah. I had just finished junior. I just got to the Chicago Wolves. We had played three games in Chicago, and I got a phone call um, on my hotel line which is bizarre because, you know, that's 2013. No one calls on a landline anymore. And I had a cell phone, like I had an iPhone at the yeah. time. And it was Scott Arneal because I guess he didn't have my number. Think about how bizarre that is. The coach of the American Hockey League team, you're so new, he doesn't yet have your number, but he knows he can find you at the residence inn in Rosemont if he calls the front desk and says, <laughs> can you catch me through to Frankie Corrado's room? Uh... Anyways. So I, I got that call and then it was like, you were going to go anyways in Black Ace, but they got a ton of injuries. So you're going to play against the Hawks. And then it turned into uh, playing in the playoffs because there was just so many injuries. It wasn't ideal for the team. Mm-hmm. It was great for me. It was an experience I'll never forget. Yeah. Four Stanley Cup playoff games um, and, and with a hell of a Canucks team still then in 2012, 20. 13. Uh, Frankie, Ilya Mikheyev is going to miss the rest of preseason, and uh, he's a coin toss at best for the season opener. Would you be recriminating the way they handled that knee injury last year, letting them play on it so long that now it's it's affecting this season, at least this preseason, if not into this season as well? Matthew, as you know, I don't like to rehash old things. I don't like to be the guy that says, I told you so, or give myself a pat on the back. That's not what we're all about here. Is there a butt coming? But I said this a long time ago. I said this when when they said he played on the torn ACL and it wasn't going to get worse. And then they made him get the surgery, which he had to get anyways. The timing was not going to work out. It is nine. I, I want to yell this from the top of the Grouse Mountain. It is nine months, no matter any way you slice it for an ACL. You are not coming back sooner. Unless you're Aaron Rodgers and you are doing ayahuasca in a cave somewhere in Nevada, it's nine months for an ACL. Conventional treatment equals conventional timeline. And that's pretty much any way you slice it, that's how it's going to be. So you go back in time, you get the surgery done as quickly as humanly possible because now your timeline leads you to the start of the year. It's not just about... The And I've been through this surgery. That's why I can speak to this. I spent nine months doing this ACL surgery. It's the most grueling nine months you can go through as an athlete. It's not just about getting yourself back so that you can pass certain strength tests and you can skate pretty fast on the ice for a practice in a game. Reconditioning is the biggest issue. You can do all these tests to get yourself back and you feel pretty good, but the reconditioning is the, is the last part It's the most important part. And when you try and expedite a timeline, the reconditioning is the part that that falls behind on the back burner. So for his sake, I hope he's back. I hope he can stay back because ultimately that's the most important thing. Anyone can come back. Like how long can you stay back and make it sustainable? But it should have been dealt with more swiftly and it should have allowed for more time on the back end for reconditioning. We'll, obviously, we'll see how it plays out. But as a guy who's been through the ACL surgery, I said it at the time. I don't like the way they did the timeline. 
And now with him not being on the ice and probably not going to start the season, I don't want to say I told you so, so I'm I'm not even going to say it. Yeah, and he is on the ice. It's just in a non-contact jersey. He should play in so. the AHL first. No, he should get he should get a week in the AHL to get that conditioning up to snuff. I mean, he's an important player, and his yeah. speed and his timing is everything, isn't it? It's it's funny the the conditioning stint is somewhat underutilized in the NHL. It, it seems is. like it seems like the conditioning stint has become this way to get someone who's a healthy scratch very often some games down in the minors so you don't have to put them on waivers and it's a two-week expiration date so you bring them back up and it kicks the can down the road a little bit until you have an injury or an opening in the lineup we don't see it that much for like bonafide nhl guys who are full-time nhl guys who come back from a big injury they just go back in the lineup and in baseball they use it all the time i was gonna say that you get 20 million dollar players down in the rehab stint is used left right and center in baseball Um, and 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 they're not even shy to send you to the florida coastal league no exactly just reps go, go, go pitch down there you know what i was wondering so when i played for toronto and i was a healthy scratch a lot like certain thoughts go through your head. You're like, should I be going to play like some kind of men's league at night and not tell anyone just to like play a game? You know, it's been so long. And then I was thinking, I was thinking in baseball, they do simulated games for pitchers. Yeah. And I'm yep. like, how would that work for a hockey player? It's just me. It's a sheet of ice. How, like, is there a way you can do a simulated mm-hmm. game? I, I, I don't, I Probably. still don't know how we're laughing. We're laughing at the men's league comment because Blake brought us a story earlier this a, year. A CF Montreal a player. CF Montreal soccer player this year who wasn't being played and so just upped and joined a men's league. Under a town, pseudonym. Under a pseudonym in town. Well, <laughs> soccer, you can do it because you just need some cleats and, and shin pads. Like I, I was trying to think, how am I going to sneak my gear around unless I just go buy all new gear? Canadian and, tire gear, tip to tail. Yes. And it's just, it's sitting at my condo, stinking the joint out because <laughs> I got to play. I got to play Wednesday nights at Canlan, York. I never did it. <laughs> that would be a story. Um, yeah. uh, l- lastly, for me, buddy, we are. Um, I got to say, I'm pretty impressed with your ex-teammate, Teddy Bluger, and some of the work he's doing on the penalty kill. It's only preseason, albeit one of the games was against McDavid and Dreisaitl. Boy, um, nowhere to go but up for this Canucks penalty kill, but I think they may have found someone there who helps and helps in a big way, especially early on here. I, I love Teddy's energy. I mean, right right from day one when I, I met him down in Wilkes-Barre, it was his first year in the league. He was one of those guys where... We would all put in the work, okay? We all go on the ice for practice. We all do our workouts. Everyone stays out, does a couple things here and there, and then, you know, you get on with your day, okay? I can't tell you how many times I'd be leaving the rink, and a lot of guys would be leaving the rink, and Teddy's just coming off the ice, and his stick blade is covered in snow, and he had all the pucks himself, and it's like he stayed out for an extra hour to do stuff. Like, that's how much this guy loves being a hockey player. He loves being a professional hockey player and how committed he is to getting better. And that was him as a rookie. His energy is kind of like it's infectious on the ice because he's just, he's always moving his feet. He's always getting involved in the play. He's not shy that way. Um, And he's the kind of guy you look for on a penalty kill, right? Like I call it the world junior penalty kill where it's like you dump the puck down the ice and you go apply pressure and you try and like squeeze the puck against the boards and kill 10 seconds that way. And the crowd kind of gives you a little pop and you head back to the bench with your head buried like, 
that was such a hard shift. Ooh, and then the next guy comes over and he does it. Like, I feel like Teddy's the ringleader for that kind of stuff. And Matt, like, like you said, the penalty kill needs a lot of work. There's a guy who, you know, is probably going to be first guy over the boards when McDavid's unit is coming on the ice or the pens are in town and, and Crosby's unit is cut. Like that's, that's the kind of guy that I think provides that energy, that spark on the penalty kill, not afraid to block a shot. And like these college guys, they have bad habits when it comes to blocking shots. And I mean that in a good way because they wore cages for four years in college and they'll just dive in front of it because they just, they didn't grow up with the vibe. Like he's been a pro for a long time now, obviously, but it's just like, it's just like the college guys, man. They'll, they'll lay right out because they had the cage for four years. And and Teddy's one of those guys. He's, he's awesome. Um, And I, I hope it goes well for him here because I actually think there might be a little more offense than meets the eye because I've seen wow. it in, in the, in the AHL, but uh, we'll see if it can happen at the NHL level. And, and, and fair as it may be, he's got to make an instant impact there because Edmonton for your first two games, then through Florida. And of course we know how they can score in, in Tampa with Stamkos and that crew. So you're facing some pretty good power plays early on in the season and you just can't afford the here we go again on the penalty kill for a third straight year. Frankie, we're fresh out of time. Thank you for yours. Catch up next week, and uh, it'll be opening night for the Canucks and Oilers next time we talk. Love it. See you guys. Well, our next guest is one of two British Columbia Lions who eclipsed a thousand yards receiving last week against Saskatchewan. He's six right now in the CFL. He is second with eight touchdowns. It's our pleasure to welcome for the first time to secure some price, Mr. Alexander Hollins. How you doing, Alexander? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? It's been quite a season for you. You must have been uh, pleased to eclipse that magical thousand yards on Friday. Uh, yeah, that was a nice thing to do. You know, uh, coming into the season, that wasn't even a personal goal of mine. You know, it, it kind of just happened. What was the personal goal coming into the season? Uh, I just wanted to be the best I can be for the team, honestly. Uh, like, when it came to, like, yards, I, I was thinking maybe, like, 700 yards, maybe, like, 50 catches and a few touchdowns. Like, that was it, honestly. It- is that because the group of receivers is so strong? Did you just think you wouldn't get the targets uh, given who else is surrounding you in that receiving core? Uh, yeah, you know, just being realistic, man. We got, a, man, we got a great group. We got a great group, and 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 you know, you know, anybody can be that thousand yard guy. You know what I'm saying? But with a group like this, you know, it, it's 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 it would have been kind of tough to just get it. But like, um, you know, I had to. Obviously, get like more targets and more touches and stuff with injuries uh, early in the season with other guys. You know, I just had to step up and step up to the plate and be that guy for the uh, offense. You're still a young guy. Still have uh, your entire career ahead of you. Uh, what's it like just to be playing every game and getting a ton of looks after rattling around a little bit after school um, and uh, getting your your try there with the National Football League? What's it like just to play every every week and and remind yourself what being a, a regular everyday football player uh, is like again? It's fun. It's a blessing, man. Uh, you know, it's it's just it's just fun to play every game and and it's exciting. And, you know, you're looking forward to that game to just go against the, the opponent and just compete. And you know, I love to compete, and that's what we all love to do. So that will make it so fun. And you've got a pass happy quarterback, um, a coach that's okay letting them cook a little bit uh, as well. Um, do you guys get excited for 
for what Vernon Adams has up his sleeve because you know that he's going to be looking for you guys. Yeah, you know, it's great to have him as our quarterback, man. It's exciting. Just like he had to say, big play VA. So big play VA going to do big things, man. So it's exciting to have him back there, see him swing that thing around. And, you know, we're just out there running and catching it. So we got the easy job. We just got to run and catch. You know, he, just, he got the harder job, but he make it look easy, though. Were you surprised at how open you were last week? Uh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we kind of figured it, it was going to happen. We just waiting for the moment to use that play, you know. Oh, was it? So yeah. that it was funny. What was funny was we were in there playing practice, and I was open and I dropped it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you caught it when it mattered. Yeah. So, Alexander, that wasn't just a pure blown coverage. Like, was that something you guys did with routes to spring you that open? That yeah, deep, yeah. I mean, obviously they blown it, but like we was hoping that it, it, it worked like that, though. Right, right. Yeah. Gotcha. Wow. What's the team's mindset going into this huge game on Friday? Uh, nothing. Just win, execute, and win. You know, just execute, make big plays, and just be consistent all game. Uh, you know, no matter what happens, just just stay the course. And uh, I feel like we're the better team, and we we're gonna show that this this Friday. So you try not to make this game too big in your own mind then? Is that what you're saying? Or, or do you try to ramp yourself up given what's at stake here? No, nah, I ain't got to ramp myself up, you know. Uh, shoot, man, it's a football game at the end of the day. Uh, you know, I ain't making I ain't making it no bigger game than any other game just because it wouldn't be, you know. Uh, we just going to go out there and play football. We're going to win. That's what we're going to do. Uh, what specifically does Winnipeg pose in terms of challenges for you guys on the offensive side in the passing game? Uh well you know that they like to uh, send a send a blitz spot so we just we just gonna be aware we just gonna be aware of that and execute off that off that um, those blitzes and off those plays. Mm. Uh, last question and it's a tough one because I saw uh, I saw you and Mister Hatcher were having trouble with this on the sidelines on Friday, Alexander. Who's the man? He the man. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are so generous. You kept giving the title back and forth. But he the man. Are you going to be the man, though? At some point, when will he hand over the crown? Yeah, I'm the man, too. But Oh, you're, oh okay. Oh, okay. He's, he's the man. Okay. Yeah, all right, all right. Multiple men in the BC Lions receiving core, and we've known that because they've been such a great part of this team this year and last year. It's been amazing to watch you guys work, Alexander. Thank you for the time here, sir. Best of luck Friday against the Bombers. Thank you. Sick Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's a great clips text message inbox. Great clips. You're doing great. Yesterday's Bodog poll question, will defense by committee work? Yes or no? What did the people say? Uh, They'll say no. Indeed. Percentage? 68. 71. Not bad, Price. I love that your last name is Price, and it's pretty much a Price is Right-style guessing game. Mm-hmm. It's true. VJ, no, especially with that crew. I have my doubts, too, VJ. And listening to Chris Faber, Frank Corrado, everybody has their doubts about defense by committee. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program, and for some bizarre reason, Grady Sass, I have a clean sheet here. There's no way we had a 
error or omission-free program, is there? I do not have a clean sheet. Oh, no. Oh, no. Dear. Oh, no. What happened? Uh, the start of the Frank Saravalli interview, you can hear me say, we're recording. Oh, oh look at you. Holy crap. I just wanted oh to make gosh. sure the people knew that they were about to hear the interview. Oh yeah. That's looking for a, out for everyone. That's for a second time in the last few weeks, huh? Your voice off the top of something? It's my way of infiltrating into the show. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, like if you want to talk more on the show, you just got to got to tell us. You don't have to work it in surreptitiously. Come on. Yeah. Sometimes the on button doesn't work. I think you guys have uh, rejigged the board. <laughs> Seditious from within. Yeah. Insurrection. Thank you to Colin and Planning for pointing that one out. Insipid. Insipid. That's it. That's, That's it. it. Oh, That's okay, all. good. We'll move on to Blake's Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source for casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Who you like, what you got. Well, not much coming up outside of uh, on, on tomorrow's schedule, that is. Pretty quiet Thursday. So I'm going to go back to the well, Sandy. Except for game three. We hope a lot of game threes there in not the wild card. Not up yet, though. No, I know. Not up yet. Uh, so I'm going to go back to uh, that Sanderson Farms Championship and see what Mac Hughes is going to do to uh, defend his title. Plus 6,000 on Mac Hughes. Ah, horses for courses. Yeah. This is in Mississippi, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, don't know. Or is it in Alabama? Sanderson Farms sounds southern, that's for sure. Yeah, it's got to be somewhere. It's right? in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. There you yeah. go. Great, great Johnny Cash song. The Country Club of Jackson. Hmm. Going to Jackson. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on social media. That's Twitter, Insta, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.